everyone. Today's guest on Fashion for All, the Smart Glamour podcast is Christine Mirando. Christine falls under the model category of types of guests we'll be chatting with on the podcast. I'll let her introduce herself properly. We touch on how Christine found Smart Glamour as a customer first, then became a model, and is now also a student in my virtual classes. Enjoy our conversation. Hi there. Good morning. Morning. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Could you please introduce yourself? Yes, I am Christine Mirando. I am a performer and a city government employee from Philadelphia and a longtime Smart Glamour shopper. I'm very excited to be here today. Yay. I don't think I realized that you worked for the government. <laughs> that is actually brand new. So that's why I um, just actually at the end of July started a new job um, kind of related to COVID relief in the city of Philadelphia. So it's been a very cool transition, actually, uh, that happened just over the summer. Oh, okay, cool. Because you used to do like teaching stuff, right? Yeah, I was working for several years for a program that I really loved that did reading classes for all age groups. So. Um, you know, various reasons of, of just being ready to move on, um, left that job about a year ago, and then did some substitute teaching. And then, yeah, as, as the summer wore on, as we were all, uh, or many of us were home a lot, uh, and looking for work, uh, I landed in this very fun city government job. Hmm. Okay, well, interesting. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So aside from being a shopper, which I, I want to get into a little bit, because I feel like you're the first person who's come on and then introduced themselves that way. Mm -hmm. um, you've also modeled for Smart Glamour. Yep, I have. A few times. Um, the first time, was that spring 2017? I believe so. Yeah, the runway show. Yes, yes. So so you didn't mention that in your, in your introduction of yourself, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious then, do you consider or call yourself a model or no? No, not usually. And I was thinking about this before I came on to the podcast this morning, because I know it is something that um, it's been really interesting hearing people's answers to that question in the other episodes that I've listened to. And I think for me, um, you know, modeling has been something that's really fun that I've gotten to do a few times. Um, and that it has opened me up. You know, I, I don't think that three or four years ago before I had done that modeling work with you, I ever would have gone into the performing that I've done since and and getting into a bit of burlesque performance. Um, and so being, you know, claiming the word performer in my introduction, I think has definitely been uh, really like a direct result of the modeling experience I've had with Smart Glamour. But I think for mm. me, that's something that um, the modeling itself is something that I know I, I pick up and, and set down uh, as I am excited to jump in or, or leave it alone. So I think that that's mm -hmm. the reason I tend not to to claim that particular identity, except in the moments that it's actually happening. I think that's when I would say like, yeah, modeling mm -hmm. today or I'm a model today. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Um, and, and obviously I know what you look like, but since uh, this is a podcast, in case someone's just listening to it, could you describe your appearance? Yes. So I am um, about five, six, blonde, short hair, um, kind of on the upper side of straight sized uh, clothing. I wear usually large, extra large, um, white and very pale <laughs> skin. Um, <laughs> that is how I would describe my physical appearance. And I would like kind of a um, hourglass to 
not extreme hourglass, I don't think, but um, like in that general range of category. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> you would definitely know them. You know, don't, I don't think anyone <laughs> other than me is as familiar with my measurements as you are. So <laughs> this is probably true. <laughs> um, so so that's a, that's a, a good segue to the fact that what I was going to bring up and then I decided to ask the model question first is that, so you described yourself as a smart glamor shopper. Um, you were a smart glamor customer before you were a model. Um, can you talk a bit about how you found smart glamor? And then, you know, I definitely feel like, uh, I have this lovely thing with, um, or lovely statistic, I guess I should say with smart glamor where monthly, um, two thirds of smart glamour shoppers are returning customers and one third are new, which is a pretty great ratio to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm proud of it. And I feel like then, then even within that statistic, I personally see a number of people from all over the country who are, um, even more than just returning customers. They're, they're kind of regular customers. Mm-hmm. I recognize their names. I know what kind of things that they like. Um, and I feel like for a while before I ever met you, you you fell into that category. Mm-hmm. So yeah, could you talk a little bit about finding Smart Glamour and um, starting to shop with Smart Glamour? Yeah, definitely. I think um, I was trying to figure out the exact thing that led me to your page. Um, you know, obviously pre twenty seventeen, before I modeled for you, probably a year or two before that, um, is when I stumbled onto Smart Glamour on Instagram, and I know for sure that it was a um, a collaboration that you had done, I think, with a feminist writer, and I could not remember all the way back to who it was or like what the particular circumstances were, but um, it was a dress, and I want to say it was the. Um, the dress with the open front. Um, I'm blanking on the name of that dress right now. Oh, f- that's like open on the sides. Um, like I'm front thinking sides. Of, so, uh, well, I'm thinking of the one that's like got a little opening, like a little cutout at the waist. Um, in the center, the Joan. Yes, that. Yeah, that's it. Yep. I think okay. it was a Joan, but I'm not positive. But you had done okay. a collaboration and and sent a dress to some feminist writer that I followed. Um, on Instagram and I loved the dress. I thought it was just great. And they were talking in the Instagram post that they made about this, you know, brand being really size inclusive and including models of every age, gender, size, um, race, ability in their advertising in their features and I just really was curious to to check it out and I started following your page from there and seeing um you know just such a wide range of humans represented in the pictures that you share um I think that was really a start for me of of getting to a place with my own feelings about my body that was more comfortable like I had done some work on that already and then finding the smart glamour page and the clothes was sort of um, this moment of being able to bring clothing that represented that work into my life as well. And not just like be Mm -hmm. working in a vacuum on trying to love my body in a way that's more productive, but um, also having a space that felt like a community, even though, um, you know, I didn't really know 
many of the people involved at that point. I did start following some <laughs> of the models as I saw them tagged and things, but um, it just felt like a community space for um, that work of of mm-hmm. feeling good about um, all bodies and your own body as well. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that's where a lot of the early days of like being a regular repeat shopper came from too is, you know, the clothes were great and like the customization was great and being able to participate in this fun that everybody was having in the campaigns just really um, was was really fun to join in and, and jump into. So um, that's how I found you initially as a shopper was just through kind of uh, random coincidences of the internet. <laughs> Which is so great. Um and I only know this because <laughs> you recently just told me this the other day. Um, but so this is be a little bit of a leading question. But you mentioned to me that, you know, if if somebody had told you a few years ago, or, you know, I guess, I guess more than a few years ago, but a bit ago that you would be like interested in a fashion brand and uh-huh. paying attention to it, um, you wouldn't have believed them. So, no. so prior yeah. to stumbling upon smart glamour and getting invested in the community that um i've created what was your relationship to clothes and fashion yeah i think um you know i liked clothes and well i I liked clothes i wouldn't say that i liked fashion because i i think that the distinction that i would have in my mind there is liking fashion um, to me, does suggest some of that that thing you just mentioned of following a particular brand or brands and kind of keeping your eye on what's new and what's um, developing and coming out as it happens. I wasn't really interested in that piece of it prior to that point in my life. I was just, um, you know, I liked a cute outfit and I uh, liked to shop and I did it probably more as just a functional thing um even though i did like the aesthetics of clothes um mm-hmm. like I, I i had a lot less fun with my clothes uh earlier in my life than i do now so i think that there was a like i said a really functional aspect to it even though i did like clothing um but i think i also just wasn't super creative at prior points of my life in terms of like where i was shopping so um, you know, a lot of mall stores, um, cause I wasn't really <laughs> sure where else to look. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I think that that's kind of the personality of my, uh, shopping and, and interest in fashion prior to finding smart glamour. And I think I've kind of, um, I, I think that smart glamour and project runway probably would be the two things that had the <laughs> most impact on, um, outside fashion interests. But, um, but even, you know, project runway, that was mostly just the, um, the making element of it and watching people do really cool things with their brains and their, their hands. So, um, yeah. Yeah. That's definitely, um, a show that I used to enjoy watching. (laughs) (laughs) I watched it in high school and college. um, Yeah. A lot. (laughs) Same. And then honestly couldn't take the, uh, quote unquote, real person challenge anymore and so i stopped watching (laughs) that's super valid yeah there's definitely some conceits on that show that started to wear thin and i also i i think so many reality shows the farther they go um the less interesting they become uh Mm -hmm. it's like everybody is so familiar with the format who's going on to the show that it becomes i don't know what the 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 phrase would be but it's just this um 
level of like self-awareness that's happening that's a little bit too meta (laughs) it's for me at a certain point yeah that makes a lot of sense i know what you're trying to say (laughs) i agree (laughs) um (laughs) so what made you go from you know following smart online coming to some pop-up shop shopping um you know trying to you know interacting virtually from philly to saying you know what i'm gonna come to new york city and i'm gonna come to this casting (laughs) yeah um that's a great question i honestly don't remember entirely but i know that just in general at that time in my life i was going through a lot of um changes and like shifts in my personal life that uh i was kind of looking for things that felt empowering and things that felt good and um, things that felt like something I wouldn't have been brave enough to try at a certain point leading up to that. So um, I think it, uh, it came at the right time um, that casting call that particular year for me to say, I'm going to see if my friend Jenny's going to let me sleep on her couch next weekend so that I can come up for this casting. Um and and just going for it. So I think that that's part of it is is it was just a time in my life when I was really looking for opportunities to push myself and to do something that I never would have expected to do um, before I did it. So um, just kind of worked out in that sense. For sure. Um, it's interesting. I feel like there's a few people I've asked who... Um, maybe model for me but but don't do a lot of other modeling so therefore Mm -hmm. don't really identify as a model etc who i've asked you know like why did you decide to do this and um for a lot of them there seems to be some kind of like kismet experience where something lined up (laughs) and and it just like clicked and they were like you know what i'm gonna do this um so then what was your experience you know um, was that photo shoot your first time being at a photo shoot ever? Um, how was the runway show for you? Like, wh- how did it all end up feeling? Yeah, it was definitely my first time at a photo shoot. I think that it was, you know, it was so much fun. And the the emotional environment of those shoots are always wonderful. Um, you know, the couple of shoots that I've gotten to do for Smart Glamour, everybody's just really supportive like everybody's got these cute outfits on and nobody can stop talking about them um you know we're all starting to like get to know each other um and like just finding out more about the the folks who are involved and the different um backgrounds people are coming from um and then like, the other thing that really stands out to me, which is still, as it as it turns out, a thing that I am not always great at, but posing is very awkward. Um, it is <laughs> such a challenge. I was actually just a few nights ago, um, you know, I mentioned doing burlesque and I know you know that I do burlesque, but I, I was trying to create a little bit of, of new content for my Instagram page. And a friend of mine very graciously agreed to take photos for me. And, um, you know, we get up to my rooftop to take these, these uh, cute pictures for my burlesque page. And I just like, can't think of anything to do with, with my hands, with my arms. So, you know, posing is always its own unique challenge, but, um, I think that you were very helpful in that regard, talking people through that, because I I know that I was not the only first timer um, at the photo shoot that day. But um, I love, you know, I think that the runway show, 
that was just so cool. And I think getting to be in this space where you are on stage, you're in front of people, they're all really excited, you're totally nervous uh, or not. Like I'm sure other people don't necessarily deal with the nerves the same way that I do, but I've got uh, a bit of stage fright that's always stuck with me throughout my entire life. So that adrenaline rush of, oh shit, I have to go out <laughs> in front of these people now <laughs> in, in my cute outfit and uh, you know make sure my face looks somewhat normal. Um, that was... Um, yeah, the adrenaline rush. I'll keep coming back to that phrase. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think just such a super positive and uplifting environment and um, just a really cool way to be around a group of folks that are um, from very diverse experiences and backgrounds and uh, like just all are joined by this love of of like a good a good print and a fun outfit. <laughs> a good print. Oh, I love it. Um Yeah, I think, you know, having been someone who was in many model spaces before ever starting Smart Glamour Mm -hmm. um, on the model side of things, it's so important to me personally to curate as much as I can, you know, a fun and comfortable experience for my my models. Um, That's usually easier to do at photo shoots because... There's less, there's less things happening. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm not, I'm not also trying to figure out like chairs and guests and drinks and things like that. Um, That where at a runway show, there's just like more moving parts. And so I'm usually a little bit more frantic, but um, in both circumstances, I really try to um, be as detailed as possible with my models and letting them know exactly what the full time frame is going to be. What, part they're expected to be there for Mm -hmm. and participate in the you know what time they are can go but you know if they'd like to stay they could stay longer etc um you know be very clear about the outfit that they're gonna wear um and all the details with that as far as color and even like you know i might suggest like oh you need a strapless bra for this or Mm -hmm. here's another option or here's this or here's that um and I just think it's it's important to make your models feel like they are valued more than just models. Um, and mostly because obviously I do value all yeah. <laughs> models. Um, so it's not like I'm forcing myself to do that. But there's just there's just uh, so many model spaces um, for folks who don't know because maybe they've never modeled before um, and just assume that it's just like always a fun time. Mm -hmm. It's really not, you know, I've been, I personally have been in a lot of modeling spaces, both in shoots and shows where I just feel, um, every run the gamut from, you know, uncomfortable and unsafe to just having my time wasted to, um, you know, just, just feeling very like in the dark, like not understanding, like, what exactly is happening? What is expected of me? How long am I going to be here? Like, there's just so many, um, so many events that go on that involve models where they are not um, taking into consideration. So, so all of that stuff is super important to me. Um, and it's something that really comes across in, you know, obviously I had seen a lot of your work before I ever participated in it. And that was something that was really apparent about those, um photo shoots about the runway shows is that 
there was a lot of care put into them and that people appeared to feel really comfortable. I remember seeing some of the behind the scenes, um, like Instagram posts and uh, videos and things like that, that just looked like a really fun place to be. So the fact that I think that was really broadcast before I ever took the the chance to go and do the casting call um, was also really important. And something else you just said struck me there, which is that, um, you know, that that full humanity of the models is not always recognized in other areas of the industry. And that, again, like coming back to that one other fashion touchstone that I had before, which is Project Runway, like, man, what, mm-hmm. a, what a place where they are just like set dressing and background and like people barely mm-hmm. talk to them on, on that show. And I think it also like that always stood out designer by designer. Like I think you could tell or I could always tell the ones that I think I would like in real life because they treat their models a certain way that not mm-hmm. all of them did. Um, so mm-hmm. it's just, it's, I, I hadn't really thought about that much before and hearing you talk about that. Um, that's something it, it brought to mind. Yeah. That's such a good point. Um, I truly just don't, don't get it. I think it mm-hmm. probably has something to do with just the general environment of the fashion industry, which is, you know, probably why you felt, not interested in it and connected to it Mm -hmm. um in the past because the fashion industry has built itself to be exclusive and pretentious Mm -hmm. and that does something to shoppers and customers but it also does something to the people within the industry you know like if you're being treated a certain way and then you're watching people around you treat other people a certain way um and you're maybe an insecure person yourself or you're just a person who's interested in you know clout and pretension like great you're gonna you're gonna slip right into that and and like and live in that world in that space but that's kind of nonsense has always like literally my whole life been what i'm not interested in Mm -hmm. um before i even really knew how to verbalize it so that's just not something I'm ever going to bring into a space, even before I like put the lens on it of like, you know, radical inclusion. Yep. <laughs> it was just like, this is just a, a crappy way to be. <laughs> to right. People. Yeah. Like, I just don't feel good <laughs> right now the way that this is going down. Yeah. Yeah. And I also, I don't know if you, re- if you remember or if, um, you if your experience was similar to this because um i'm not sure how long you were in the space for the casting but i'm just curious if you've had any other casting experiences for things and how the casting experience was for smart glamour either in comparison or just in general um you know i the the background for asking this question is that you know, I would have people come into my castings and be and just be in such a good mood because like, mm-hmm. you know, there was people waiting in the hallway that like and everyone was kind of just talking to each other and befriending each other, which mm-hmm. is very uncommon yeah. for for castings. So I was just curious if your if your experience was similar to that. Yeah, it was. And I, you know, I don't have anything to compare it to. So I haven't done any other casting calls um, for anything uh, of any stripe. But um, but I do remember. So I mentioned my friend Jenny, who I, I crashed on her couch when I both actually both um, the 2017 
shoot and runway show that I did for you and the more recent one that I did last winter, um, mm. I, I usually get to crash with her and hang out with her when I come in for a smart glamour shoot. Um, and she's lovely and wonderful. And we were, she was with me. We had grabbed lunch or something before we went down to go to the building where the shoot was or where the, um, excuse me, where the casting call was. And she was helping me find it. And we saw somebody else kind of like hanging around outside of the front door of the building and just asked if they were also here for the casting call. And, um, you know, they said like, yeah, like I'm very excited. And so we got to talking about that and it was just like a really lovely experience before ever heading upstairs to actually do the casting call. Um, Mm -hmm. And my memory of it is pretty fuzzy at this point, but I do remember um, like, you know, that clarity of instruction that you mentioned, like it was just very, (laughs) very, very thought out in terms of um, like when to be arriving, um, how long I could expect to be there, what to actually expect. So like what getting measured was going to entail and um, like the fact that, while I was waiting for my turn, I would be out in the hallway in, you know, like there were some chairs, if memory serves, set out in the hallway. And, um, and it was just a very like low stress situation. Mm -hmm. And I'm a person who can experience anxiety when I'm not sure what's going to happen. So, um, walking into something like that, that might already be a little nerve wracking, like in some ways you're serving yourself up for not judgment, but like you are, you're auditioning for something and and you're Mm -hmm. hoping for a spot. And so, um, something that can already produce a little bit of anxiety, having those, those pieces laid out so clearly, I know really helped me and, um, and yeah, definitely got that piece that you mentioned of just like starting to randomly chat with the people who were also there for the casting as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, have absolutely nothing else (laughs) to compare it to, but, um, (laughs) but it was a good day. Yeah, it's so interesting to me because, um, you know, so much of Smart Glamour is very intentional on my behalf. But then um, specifically when I'm creating any kind of in-person space, whether that's a casting or a pop-up or a shoot or a show, there's a certain part of it that, you know, then then goes off and becomes something that I'm not super in control of. Like mm-hmm. I can set a standard of my own behavior and I can set a standard for like here's the kind of behavior that that I um, tolerate and like inclusion and and what that means. But at the same time, you know, everyone that comes to those spaces, they're their own people and and they're all interacting with each, with each other and I'm not sitting there babysitting them. Mm-hmm. Um, and to hear that because I've set a stage of inclusion, like true inclusion where everyone is equal to each other, um it's it's accidentally created this environment at castings where people don't feel like they're really in competition with one another even though technically they are like you know technically i can only choose so many people right so like someone's not going to be picked just because of numbers but from what i've heard it's it just doesn't feel like you know you're gonna get picked so i'm not Mm -hmm. which is really um nice to hear because that is that is how i look at it when i'm when i'm selecting people um and so i i think just removing that that aspect of competition because you know um at typical castings i mean 
no one really talks to each other. <laughs> it's kind of like <laughs> awkward silence. <laughs> I'm shocked. I'm absolutely shocked. <laughs> um, that's yeah, that's interesting. And it's something else that came to mind as you were saying that, um, you know, I also remember seeing you go to bat for mod, not even go to bat. I think that's even too soft of a phrase, but um, like really positioning yourself for your models and the people who share their likeness with you to in in your clothing, um, making sure that their image is respected in um, in your online spaces and like you know negative comments get taken down and mm -hmm. not just taken down but like addressed and mm -hmm. essentially told like hey that is not welcome in this space and i will continue to take down and block people who behave that way in this space um like there's just a real um you're like a bouncer you know like protecting <laughs> the people who um are, are taking on that um that role of of putting on your your clothing for the world and i think that that also plays into that same creation of an environment where people feel comfortable being themselves and comfortable like connecting with the other people around them because those boundaries have already been set and set really clearly yes um that is so important to me um this is you know a, a, an opinion that i have and hold very uh fast too which um i honestly blanket statement it to everyone and some uh there you know all different types of businesses have online presences where they share other people's images whether they're some kind of a publication or they're a brand or they're a store i mean who knows what they could be lots of reason to share other people's images on your social media feeds mm -hmm. um i happen to think that no matter how big or small your brand is if you are sharing other people's images you need to moderate that space mm -hmm. and i i truly do uh, there in my opinion there is no excuse um for not doing it because you know i am one person and i do it like I'm the smallest of the small, right? I'm I'm one single person. I don't have any help. I don't have many employees. And I prioritize doing that. Yeah. On the other hand, if you are a bigger company and you have way more comments, you have way more followers, etc., hire somebody yep. to do just that. So, you know, wherever you land, and if you're mid-size, like say, say you're a little bigger than me. Maybe you have one or two employees. Maybe you have some interns, et cetera. Like, make it part of one of their jobs or one of your interns' jobs to moderate comments. And, the, and you know, there are brands who use moderators who, you know, interact on social media to, like, boost interaction, you know, to, like, boost the algorithm. But, um, and, and there's moderators. I see moderators in, like, groups, like Facebook groups, etc., but I don't see a lot of moderating happening um, in social media public spaces. And in my opinion, especially if you're somebody who's sharing the likeness of somebody else, and especially if the likeness being shown are like, you know, quote unquote, everyday people, which I mean, everyone is an everyday right. person, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Not celebrities. Mm -hmm. I mean, but e honestly, in my, in my opinion, even those, um, 
even those sections should, should be should be moderated in some way. Um, but especially if you're somebody who is going to share the likeness of a lot of other people, and um, especially especially if you are somebody who lives in a privileged mm-hmm. um, body, a privileged identity, and you're going to share the likeness of people who are marginalized in a different way from you, yep. and then you're not going to protect them, like. No, 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 no. <laughs> Which I think that this also, like, this really feeds into a conversation that you and I have been having recently through, um, you know, the fashion classes that I've been taking with you, which is that it seems like a lot of brands and companies really are not in any way interested in establishing, um, like, a, a moral compass or a system of ethics for themselves except for when they can use it to advertise. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, like, hey, here's H&M's new green line that is um, ab- actually like a very, very small part of our overall production and is probably just as wasteful as most of that production anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, like those are the kinds of ethics that a lot of companies and brands are, are interested in using and I choose the word using very specifically because it is useful to them and so those moments of really staking out like oh well morally we don't think that people should be um like saying shitty things about our models on our pages like that's like how does that serve them it doesn't so they don't care to to mm-hmm. police it you know so um mm-hmm. just a, an interesting level or layer to that conversation as well yeah and i'm actually i'm glad you brought that up because i was gonna um segue to that at some point that so now i've been doing these uh various virtual classes and you um have taken a few and you're taking my inclusive fashion fashion business course um which uh I mean, has always been interesting to me um, in general, just folks who want to learn about these things. You know, I teach uh, also teach just a, a version of this course at um, a college where most of the folks are designers, but not all of them. So I'm just curious uh, when I started offering those courses, why did you decide to take them? Yeah, I think, um, again, sort of timing was a big piece of it, right? So The fact that um, I'm home a lot more right now than I have been in a very long time and I'm looking for things that can help me continue to feel like I am growing and learning and and developing as a person, even as the world (laughs) is is very strange and very difficult to navigate. Um, That was a big draw. But I think in a a bigger way, um, it's a topic that really interests me because I know that it felt really empowering. I think one of the things that... um, like shopping and modeling with Smart Glamour taught me more than anything was how to understand sizing and fit and things that I really took for granted in my clothing until it became a piece of that conversation. You know, like I, it's been a long time since I've ordered something online and gotten it and it didn't fit because I now know that I should be looking at size charts and looking at my measurements and using Mm -hmm. that to figure out what I should be ordering in the first place. Um, And and I kind of wanted to build on that. I think that, you know, I am still in some ways learning how to be a more ethical consumer of fashion and, Mm -hmm. um, a a system or a a set of classes to learn a little bit more about the inner workings of the industry as a way to help myself navigate 
figuring out which which companies or which uh, practices are really um, ethical or not, um, I think was a, a draw to me as well, because again, there's so much out there um, and it can be a lot to make sense of without that background knowledge. So I think, you know, several reasons, but those would probably be the biggest ones is like one I want to keep building on that um, empowerment through a better understanding of this thing that's a part of literally every day of my life because <laughs> you can't leave your house without clothes. It's the, you know, it's a thing. Um, so, so yeah, I think that that was the primary draw for me is just like getting um, some additional knowledge in this thing that really uh, is a part of all of our lives, whether we want it to be or not. I know, you know, I, I enjoy clothes, but not everybody does. And I, I just wanted to, to have that additional uh, piece of the puzzle. Yeah, I think um, clothing is, and and I guess you can call it fashion or not, um, it's one of those interesting things that, like, everyone has to interact with it in some way. Um, and obviously, you can be interested or not, and then, like, there's a big, there's a big scale there. But it's almost, it's almost similar. I see a lot of parallels to food in that way. It's like everyone has to eat. Um and so everyone is therefore, you know, interested or not in, in the culinary world. But like, you know, you have to eat. Most people also kind of have to learn how to cook in some way. Mm -hmm. um, but and and I see this parallel from like uh, my friends being in, in service industries, me being in the service industry years and years and years ago as a waitress. And also having friends who are chefs and then also watching TV shows around mm -hmm. people being chefs or starting businesses. Um, and I always see so many parallels between people who think that they can start a restaurant business because they've always dreamed of having one and they really like food versus people who, you know, quote unquote really like clothes but then uh -huh. don't have the um education and then like decide to start a, a clothing company um and i don't know if that happens in a lot of other industries and i think it is because food and clothing are too like essentials to everyone's lives mm -hmm. so people feel like they know more about them than they actually do um and prior to doing my virtual classes um i did a lot of like consulting work over the past few years with people and that of course has you know those experiences have run the gamut but there's a specific kind of experience that i've had a few times where someone will reach out to me for consulting and say that they want to start a clothing business or fashion business because of abc um and then you know, after our first consult call where I start asking them all these questions they've literally never thought about because they didn't know that this was even like how the process was done. Um, and I let them in on, you know, this is what it really takes to actually make things and then be able to sell them to people. Um, a lot of people are like, oh, wow, um, I had no idea it was this involved. And like, maybe I don't actually want to do it. <laughs> Yep. Which is so entertaining to me too, because like, I'm really interested in learning more about it, but I like have no um, illusion that it would be something that would be easy to jump into. Like even without that, um, you know, before I 
had started taking a class on it. Like clearly the labor that goes into making even like two garments that are the same style and are roughly in line with like the same general proportions and um, you know, like the hems being consistent, this and that clearly just (laughs) that takes so much work that the idea that people would think like, I'm just going to jump in. I'm I'm not going to like take too much time to think about this, but I'm going to really, I'm going to try to insert myself here and, uh, and really just take my shot. Like that's, that's, that's a lot of uh, confidence that I don't know where people get it, but um, it's, it's interesting it's, to me, <laughs> and it's not to it's not to say that it can't be done, right? Sure, Obviously, yeah, like, yeah. like they're hiring me as a consultant. Like mm-hmm. I'm happy to explain it and to to help you figure mm-hmm. out the best way to do it. And I and for many people, I do. Um, the majority of which that are the most successful of those scenarios, they are already doing a lot of that work mm-hmm. on their own, um, and maybe just are unsure, like how to properly do the work or what the next step is, Mm -hmm. which is kind of like the best, the best scenario for everybody. But I will just say in case anyone is interested in learning these things um, or, you know, maybe thinking of starting a a fashion business. um, I don't say this all to discourage you. I I mean, I want more small fashion businesses and I want more small inclusive businesses, not less. But what I will say is that you have to do the work you have to do, um, the background and you have to have the knowledge. So I always suggest to people like take classes and, and if going to a full college, you know, like I went to FIT, if that's not doable for you, um, there are a lot of different smaller design schools around the country and also virtually online, like Mm -hmm. find other ways to do it piecemeal, but you've got to learn, you know, at least the basics of construction and ha- just to understand how it works. You've got to learn fabrics. You need to take some kind of fabric studies class. Um, I would suggest taking some kind of production and marketing class just so you understand that side of it. Because the less um, the less you know, the more you're going to need to outsource to other people. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, just being expensive, you're also not going to have the knowledge to check on them and make sure they're doing it right. So. Yeah. You have to know at least a little bit of of everything if you're going to start a small business where you are in charge of everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Um, so towards the end here, I wanted to quickly bring up that you mentioned that so you do you started to do some burlesque and that mm-hmm. you see a connection from doing some modeling to then deciding to do burlesque. So what what was that that thought process there? Yeah, I think um, part of it is like stepping more into parts of myself that I had um, not really fully explored previously. So I think, you know, as I started shopping Smart Glamour and modeling for Smart Glamour, I definitely um, had more fun with (laughs) clothing that would have been a bit more exposure than I was used to previously. So like even something as simple as a crop top um, hadn't really worn prior to that point when I started um, shopping Smart Glamour Mm. um, and was just having a really like a lot of fun with and, um, you know, like pencil skirts and things that are kind of a very pinup vibe. I really like and um, had always liked, but I I don't think had ever fully uh, thought of those as things that I could uh, or felt like I should wear. Um, Mm. So I think being in a space where I was getting more playful with the clothes that I was wearing 
um, was kind of one step along the way in that process. But also, you know, again, the like comfort in your own skin, I think was a big piece of that. And um, like giving myself permission to to do things that I hadn't thought that I would do before. So I think that that was all part of the same conversation and development for me. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, kind of similar to the modeling in 2017, things just kind of lined up for me to start burlesque a couple of years ago. I went to um, a cabaret show in Philly and in liking the cabaret performers on Facebook after the event, the local Philadelphia Burlesque Academy, um, which anybody in Philly who's interested in the scene should absolutely check out. Um, But Philadelphia Burlesque Academy came up as a recommendation from Facebook of another page for me to follow. And I did. And I saw that they were offering classes and I started taking them. And then I saw that they were doing an intensive workshop. And I thought, Sure. Like I'll I'll do an eight week <laughs> intensive burlesque workshop and come up with an act and maybe I'll never do it again. But mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe it'll be something that I want to pursue. So I think that, you know, that series of things that led to me giving myself more permission to just try things um mm-hmm. was a big piece of it uh that came out of like all of those experiences. That's so great. I feel like um that can be uh, hard for people to get past. You know, I think a lot of people may have interests um, in things, but just feel like they're not allowed to try them Mm -hmm. or like you're only allowed to try to do something if you're going to keep doing it forever or it's going to be like a career or you're going to make money off of it. You know, like um, you can come model for glamour once and then never do it again and Uh just and just do like okay here was my one experience of getting my picture taken and being Uh in a runway show great wasn't that fun um or you could do it and then keep doing it you know or you can do it and and see how that leads to other opportunities with other people i mean you know there's there's so many um avenues for folks to take and ways to have experiences like it's Mm -hmm. not always like I'm going to try this new thing and then it's going to become, <laughs> you know, some huge part of my mm-hmm. life or like my new, my new career path. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I'm going to give my per- myself permission to try it and see, see what happens. So definitely mm-hmm. I think that there's something so freeing in that and uh, so wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so kind of in that vein, you know, towards the end of, of these episodes, I tend to ask folks like what, um, not necessarily advice, but like positive words might they have for somebody who's interested in the things that they're interested in. Um, So I feel like for you, I'm going to tailor that question because I feel like so many of these things that you've brought into your life, you stumbled on through the internet um, and then just really leaned into them. Like, how do you suggest folks um, follow the right types of accounts and then and then lead take like take those paths that are set out in front of you to to then find even more things like like yeah um yeah how how do you suggest folks folks do that um I think that's an excellent question and I think curiosity is really important and just um you know 
checking out who else is linked in this thing that I already really like, who are the people that they're following, who are the people that they're posting and sharing and um, interacting with that has led me into really interesting paths. I think also um, I, around the time that I was stumbling on to smart glamours pages um, was really going through a period of curating my Instagram to get rid of stuff that made me feel crappy. Um, Just, Mm -hmm. you know, just get like, if there is something where um, you are dealing with a lot of self judgment or feeling judged from outside of yourself, because you're interacting with certain pages or not even interacting with them, but like, consuming them as part of that um, social media environment, get rid of them, like they're not doing anything for you. And and they're clogging up room in your feed for things that you might want to pursue with more interest. So I think that's a big piece of it is getting rid of the stuff that's not um, a fit for you or is not serving you in some way. But yeah, I, I think curiosity is the big one. It's just, you know, what are the ones that you're most excited to see new content from? Um, and what other connections can you spot um, from the content that they're putting out into the world? Um, and also I think I, I, I will often check in with myself about like, what sounds a little bit scary to you right now? Maybe go do some of that or some version of that, um, mm. which is not everybody's cup of tea. And so that's totally valid. But, um, uh, but that's been, I think a helpful thing for me on occasion is just checking in like, okay, what could be a good thing to explore based on like facing down some kind of like internal either anxiety or, um, boundary testing, you know, like, like kind of checking in with yourself and thinking, what might I like that I haven't really tested out yet? Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's a really great answer. And also, I do want to add that, like, because the way that our social media feeds are currently set up algorithm, uh, algorithm wise, right now, um, when you interact with things, uh, those algorithms are going to show you more similar things. Mm -hmm. So, if you remove things that make you feel bad about yourself and then you positively interact with things that make you feel good about yourself, you will also be slightly shifting the algorithm towards more of those types of things. So not only are you going to curate the the part of your feed that you can curate, but you're also going to slightly change the types of articles and ads and um, promoted posts you see. So it really does have a, a very big effect. Yeah. Um, so this was such a wonderful little chat. Um, I'm so glad that we got to cover uh, so many topics. Um, where can people follow you on the internet? Um, yeah. So, um, you know, I have um, an Instagram page, the infinite radness, the underscore infinite underscore radness, a little play on um, the similarly named, but sadder Smash and Pumpkins album. So um <laughs> that I think is is where you can check me out. Um, if you are so curious as to look for the burlesque account, you can find it by doing some digging <laughs> through that <laughs> personal account, but I won't say anything more than that. That, that can be up to the individual. So um, yeah, that's where to find me. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much, Christine. Yeah, thank you, Mallory. This was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Fashion for All. Please be sure to check our show notes for information and links to our guests and their work. Be sure to subscribe or follow us on your podcast platform of choice and leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. 
For more Smart Glamour goodness, you can head to SmartGlamour.com and follow us on Facebook at backslash Smart Glamour and Instagram at Smart underscore Glamour. Thanks.